2: Welcome into the show for a Friday, big sports weekend, and we're going to talk about the main event in these parts, which is the Kentucky-Auburn game tomorrow down at uh, Auburn, Alabama, and we'll uh, do that with Mike DeCoursey of the Sporting News, a little about it with Oscar Combs of the Catspaws as well, but uh, Oscar will also join us with some memories of his uh, dear friend coach joe b hall who uh, passed away last saturday so that's what's coming up on our show today as we roll into the wildcat news of the day that is a service of giuseppe's of lexington and number 12 kentucky takes on number 2 auburn which is 17 and 1 6 and 0 in the sec it is the best league start for auburn since the tigers 1959 team started out 12 and 0 and that streak ended with a loss to kentucky auburn was ranked 2 then kentucky 3 this time it's auburn number 2 kentucky number 12 it is an auburn team that is outstanding defensively number 8 in the country in defensive efficiency according to kenpom.com and they lead the nation in blocking shots with more than 8 per game uh, walker kessler the north carolina transfer doing most of the damage there. The, Auburn has uh, a, of arguably the best freshman in the country. He may well be the number 1 overall draft pick, uh, Jabari Smith, 6'10", 220. Going to be an interesting matchup issue for Kentucky. Um, one would assume Keon Brooks starts on him, but the thing, you know, you think 6'10", 220, you know, uh, Smith shoots 44% of his shots from beyond the three-point line. So it's not like he uh, his game normally is to just go post up on the block and uh, do his work there. Um, it is uh, an Auburn team that has scored 80-plus, I think, six games in a row. So could be a shootout tomorrow down on the Plains. Um, should be just a fun day, a fun atmosphere. Tough turnaround for Kentucky. Um, they played on Wednesday night in Texas. So the plane landed uh, a little after 2 a.m. in Lexington. Now, Auburn played Wednesday night as well, but that was at home. And then Auburn's going to play at home in this game. And so Kentucky had a uh, late return and then going to fly down to Auburn today. And then they have a very early shoot-around tomorrow for what will be a noon central time tip-off there in Auburn. So some challenges for the Wildcats, but it's a great opportunity as well. Uh, this is a game that could have some uh, impact on Selection Sunday, certainly on the SEC race. Uh, Mike DeCoursey, who will be with us later, uh, talked about it last week, That the fact that Kentucky and Auburn are only playing one time. And with the uh, generous schedule that Auburn has this year in the league, um, the Tigers are not too vulnerable. They've already won at Alabama, so it would take some significant upsets for them uh, to lose many games in the league. So if Kentucky doesn't uh, hang an L on the Tigers tomorrow, it might be hard to keep them from winning the SEC this season. A couple of other quick things, then we'll uh, bring Oscar on. ESPN had a report yesterday that uh, Shaden Sharp is going to be eligible for this year's NBA draft. A man who's on the Kentucky team but not playing yet and some analysts uh, say it's not a done deal as far as the draft status. The ESPN reports that basically all he'll have to do is, is petition the league and, and they'll grant it. But uh, there's not a 100% agreement on that among the people who follow that world. And uh, people close to Shaden Sharp have maintained from the beginning his plan is to play at Kentucky next season. possibly some, Possibly some this season. So... We will see how it plays out. Uh, Cal has a news conference coming up today um, here in about two hours, I think, and I I'm, uh, would imagine that will come up there. Uh, U.K. women uh, lost big to Florida last night at Memorial Coliseum, 77-52, third straight loss by 20 or more points. They played with Adriana Edwards, who was out for disciplinary reasons. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington as we roll into our Friday edition of the Leach Report. Our Wildcat News of the Day presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. If you're looking for a great dining experience this weekend, head on out to Giuseppe's. Live jazz music to accompany your meal. Fresh pasta seafood, fantastic hand-cut steaks, you get it all at Giuseppe's. Make a reservation at Giuseppe'sLexington.com or place your order and go by and pick it up at the drive-up window. We'll be right back with Oscar.
0: Can't get to a radio, but I want to respond on Facebook at happynomies.com. Now, back to the show. Park.
2: Lost a noted entertainer. Early this morning, apparently, uh, Meatloaf has passed at the age of 74. We go to the phone lines here on the Leech Report to welcome in Oscar Combs, the founder of the Cat's Paws. And ever since the Cat's Paws launched, Oscar, you've probably been the most popular Oscar associated with Kentucky basketball. But you have some competition now.
0: Well, I'm afraid it went down the drain, but I'm happy for him. You know, he's such a refreshing young athlete, uh, so well-spoken. I mean, he's he's easy to like on first impression.
2: You know, after uh, last season, I mean, COVID's been awful – for the world to deal with, and then if you're a Kentucky basketball fan, you had a bad season last year to to deal with. And now this team, you know, Oscar's been refreshing, uh, and then they put out a video the other night of teams dancing as they go off the court and they're dancing in the locker room, and everybody's smiling, and uh, it uh, seems to be the tonic that Kentucky basketball fans needed. That's
0: what, 15-3 for Duke 40 <laughs> versus 9-16.
2: Yes, indeed. Um, before we get back into a little bit about uh, this team and, and the big game tomorrow, I want to uh, wanted to uh, bring you on to just uh, reflect and, and and remember our uh, good friend Coach Joby Hall, who we lost last Saturday, and uh, he was instrumental in uh, giving you the the confidence to follow through on starting the Catspaws, paws, right? Uh,
0: yes, he did. In fact, I had uh, just sold my newspaper in Hazard. In uh, mid 1975, and you know I'm, I'm 31 years old. And I didn't know what I was going to do next, and I'd had this urge uh, a few years earlier with another friend of mine to start a sports magazine. there had never been one done, and we ended up, uh, or my friend ended up starting one on the Reds, Reds Alert, and I wrote for it a little while, and then uh, went up to New York to the NIT in '76, and uh, they won that, and I, I just. I with my wife, Tom and I said, hey, let's move to Lexington and And so I met with Joe B. Hall and Fran Kersey and Cliff Hagan individually. I didn't want to come start if There wouldn't be a lot of doors slammed in my face. And uh, he was very, very encouraging and uh, has been a lifelong friend. I, I guess, well, there's nobody in Lexington. I've had a closer relationship the 46 years I've lived here than him. And, uh, you know, it was, it was very sad, but. Uh, it's he. He went peacefully. had a wonderful long life. You know, it's really neat when you can retire and still have 38 years of your life left.
2: No, you're absolutely right. And uh, have these last. Uh, you know, he didn't get to to come around the team much in the last couple of years with with COVID and his declining health. But his first 10 or 11 years after Cal arrived, uh, it was. It's been so wonderful to see Joe kind of get brought back into the spotlight and get to enjoy it as much as he did
0: well i'll I'll be forever grateful to to cal for how he included him in the probe. he was the first coach uh since he retired that that really happened with and uh, billy Clyde embraced him a little bit uh but to embrace him the way he did and of course joe was always on him to use a one three one zone and (laughs) i can put it in one afternoon and Cal would often tell him leaving lunch a few times when he would come up to Rock, Joe, I'm going to put it in today. Of course, he never did, but I thought that was real classic of Cal to do that and have the rolled up program for young people. There's still a lot of young people that don't realize what he was doing, but uh, that, that was neat too. Uh,
2: I made this comment to somebody the other day. Could you imagine? And that actually was to, to Cal when he came out. To, uh, to do the show monday I said, could you- ima-, I said imagine what Joe's life would have been in a social media age following a legend and uh, you know in, in this program and then you know in his second year they go thirteen and thirteen
0: uh yeah, and I tell you what uh, in the in the seventy five year uh you know when they um, go down i mean and i guess it's uh yeah seventy five they lose that game early uh against uh Florida state, he probably doesn't come back. Because you remember, he benched three starters at the half. And uh, I guess that was 78, wasn't 75. Right. Uh, LeVon and Freddie and Dwayne Cage started the second half. And had he lost that game, he always tells me that he told Dick Parson at the half, come down the locker room, Dick, if this don't work, go ahead and get us a rental car because we're not going <laughs> to be allowed back in the state.
2: <laughs> but. You know, and, and, and I, maybe he did say that. I don't know. It's it's a great line. If if he uh, if he did or didn't, but the thing is, he's right to a certain extent. And
0: he, uh, I think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and he uh, and yet had the the courage to to do it. I mean, it's it's one thing to um, you know he's, he's he has the job he always wanted. He's in a position to to get you know a championship for the first time in twenty years for that program, and. A lot of guys would be paralyzed by fear, much less be able to you know, bench three starters when you're the number one ranked team in the country.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think knowing that is out. I don't think he ever feared anything in his life. Uh, I think he was just had enough confidence in it that you know it's going to be right my way or the highway. And uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, he couldn't coach today with the disciplinary uh, methods he had then. Probably not today, but he probably would have adjusted to the time because you don't jump from 1980 into 2020, you know, in 24 hours. Uh, but but he was always a person very competent in everything he did, and uh, you know he he was he was more worried about what a guy on the street in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, thought than he was the governor of the Kentucky. He was just a, a little guy's man
2: yeah that's uh, very true and he um um never never gets the the credit that he deserves uh for number one as a coach for you know how he coached his team and the accomplishments that he had but just you know the the impact you know there's we always talk about following the legend but just you know impacting the game from uh you know uh, fully integrating the kentucky basketball program um and to the strength training programs and marketing the you know kentucky basketball and all of those things you know, that you know, he
0: got you know that that's the one thing that i think he has been ignored on the most is uh you know uh, uh, you know how good colleagues at marketing well joe had the same type of thought process but there wasn't marketing people around him there were Business didn't spin in marketing like they did back then, but you know he uh, he took the players out to the state to get the fans involved. You know, with with all of that, and 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 that was his legacy is that he wanted uh, the players to be up close to the average fan. Go into a little place in Eastern Kentucky or Western Kentucky and let them see all the people coming out Walmart with a Kentucky sweatshirt on, and uh, he. Having those scrimmages, the three scrimmages each year in October, out to him, I think that was his highlight of the year.
2: Yeah, it's a shame those uh, went away. there was—I uh, remember uh, you know, going to some of those, covering them, or just being there, and um, it was a, a great, great scene. About twenty-three after the top of the hour, we'll take a break. We're visiting with Oscar Combs. It's at Wildcat News on Twitter. And we're going to come back, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the current Kentucky team and the big game tomorrow down at Auburn. It is the Leach Report, we're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar.
0: It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com.
2: 26 after the top of the hour on this Friday edition of the Leach Report. Oscar Combs is with us. Mike Percy will join us in the second half of the show. Uh, Kentucky's at Auburn tomorrow. Uh, Oscar Bruce Pearl's team is 17-1, 6-0 in the league. Riding high. You know. I mean, Cal, any coach would love to win this game uh, if you're going up against that uh, Auburn team. But this one in particular, because it's Bruce Pearl, Cal would uh, bring a little extra satisfaction. Uh, one more coach. One more question on Joe B. Uh, who was the the he had you know coaching a lot of coaching rivals you always do when you're the Kentucky coach. Who do you think he enjoyed beating the most in a big game?
0: Dale Brown.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. Hands <laughs> down. For yeah, some that. reason
0: he did, he just never did warm up. To Dale. Dale praises him all the time. In fact. You know, he's been quoted many times saying the reason he always put Kentucky up there, that was the pinnacle. And until you could beat the best, you know, you weren't really getting the job done. And Joe never did take it that way, and he he just never did warm up to Dale. And uh, I think that goes back to the 78 game that they lost in Baton Rouge uh, uh, in overtime uh, on their way to the title. But, uh, yeah, that's who I would say Dale Brown.
2: One question on LSU, by the way, before I jump into this game tomorrow. This came up. We were talking about this. All the players, anytime Kentucky plays at LSU, always like to go over and see Mike the Tiger in his cage there between the basketball and uh, football uh, stadiums on the LSU campus. Uh, It came up that somebody asked, did did the Tiger ever, the actual live Tiger, did they ever bring his cage into a basketball game? Uh, Did that happen while Coach Brown was there?
0: I, I I don't recall it. Uh, okay, it may have, but I, I don't remember it. Uh,
2: well, anyway, on to I don't think they'll have any live tigers there tomorrow, but there will be a lot of live people making a lot of noise uh, at Auburn Arena for a big game. Um, this is going to be uh, fun, and um, with Kentucky and Auburn only playing the one time this season, increases the stakes for this one, doesn't
0: it? It certainly does. Uh, generally speaking, you say the home team has to win. It's so vital, but. This year, uh, the fact they don't have to come to Lexington gives Auburn a little bit of a leg up. It's definitely the biggest game of the year, I think, for both teams, even more importantly for Kentucky. But then after the game is over, you'll, you'll not see either. You'll not see the losing team say it's the biggest game of the year, but it is. And uh, you're right, Auburn is just playing lights out. They're very, very deep. Uh, it was a genius, I didn't think so at the time, but it was a genius move when they rebuilt that arena to make it under 9,000. Cause it's, it, it sort of reminds you of a modern alligator alley, uh, where you just, it, it's a bandbox and that crowd will be like, you know, uh, you, you, you better be able to communicate with your teammates early on.
2: Yeah, they're right on top of you. Uh, it will be uh, you know, a crazy uh, environment for these guys tomorrow. Um, Oscar, uh, always a pleasure to catch up. Um, we will uh, do this again, but uh, thank you for the time and the great stories about Coach Hall.
0: Uh, you're certainly welcome, Tom, and enjoy doing it anytime.
2: That is Oscar Combs, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Wildcat News. Uh, last night, college basketball, Indiana took down number 4 Purdue, 68-65, and they rushed the court up at uh, Assembly Hall. Uh, so we probably will touch on that, among other things, with Mike deCourcy here in the second half of the show. Also, our buddy Preston Spradlin uh, over at Moorhead beat uh, Belmont last night, 83-74 a game. It was uh, nationally televised on the ESPN Network. So big win for the Eagles. Congrats to Preston. We'll be right back on the Leach Report. Okay. This
0: is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY.
2: Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio in Lexington. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops all across the bluegrass. And when you stop to fill up, Go into the Clarks Cafe for fantastic breakfast sandwiches, fresh hot coffee, fried chicken, if it's around lunchtime, all at the Clarks Cafe. Mike DeCorsi joins us now from Sporting News, Fox Sports, and the Big Ten Network. And we always have to phrase this correctly because of his nickname. Were you a fan of the artist Meat Loaf who passed early this morning?
1: I, I, there, was, there was material that I enjoyed. Uh, I, there were some. I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, that uh, record, uh, the Pat Outta Hell, was enormous when I was in high school. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly my style.
2: Yeah, I've got it the same way, but uh, respected his uh, his talent, certainly. Uh, yes. And that's yes. one of the top-selling albums of all time, I believe I heard this morning. It, it is. When my wife and I were watching the news this morning,
1: and they said he sold 100 million records in his career, I was uh, pretty amazed. I would not have guessed that. So uh, uh, I, I imagine he lived well on that, and good for him.
2: Well, let's talk some college hoops. Um, I think I saw in your... Latest uh, bracketology tweet that you did for uh, the Fox Sports College basketball coverage. You had Kentucky as a a four seed. I believe that was before the game on Wednesday uh, down at Texas A&M. How important is this game tomorrow, since they only play once uh, unless they would meet in the SEC tournament? How important is this game tomorrow to a Selection Sunday standpoint, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think in some ways it's more important for Auburn because they get fewer opportunities than than the Wildcats do uh, by the nature of their league schedule which is very odd that they only play LSU once only play the Wildcats once uh, i believe they only play Tennessee once and so they don't get as many high end opportunities as a teams in a lot of other conferences and, and nor as many as the Wildcats and also because of their Big 12 matchup is against Oklahoma which is a solid team but not a not an elite team whereas Kentucky uh, will play Kansas on the road uh, on January 29th and, Kentucky, and Kansas is a team that ha, has been pretty much cemented on a two line for since I started br- bracketing about three weeks ago and I'm not saying that Kansas can't fall or can't rise but I mean it, it's just been the easiest thing to do is write them down as a two uh, so that, that's a quality win opportunity that Auburn doesn't have. I, I think it'd be huge for the Wildcats if they can get it. They, you know, I, I, as I've been going through seeding, I've always had the Wildcats. Uh, make, I, I think I've had them lower than some, and I know I've had them lower than Wildcats fans want uh, because they see a team that's imposing and, and productive. And but what what they can't manufacture is a, a team that's accomplished. That has to happen. And. Okay, now they've got they added Tennessee last week and and A and M, so it's a much more accomplished team today than it was last Friday. For instance, uh, I think I had them a six last Friday, and I know that UK fans weren't happy because the metrics said, "Hey, we're better than that." But a lot of it goes into who you beat, and through through some of it, uh, missing a road opportunity at Notre Dame, and some of it was uh, having games go away, like the Louisville game. Um, and so, and, and another was having North Carolina kind of wobble a little bit. So uh, the, the high end achievement that UK would like to have isn't there. And now tomorrow, or tomorrow, uh, they get the opportunity to get about as high end achievement as you can get in this particular season, a road win at a team that right now is a number one seed and, and is could have been very easily the number one team in the AP poll if some, if some voters didn't, uh, have different ideas about how to vote
2: yeah they actually had more auburn had more first place votes than gonzaga did but gonzaga got uh with more overall points so some people had auburn much lower than uh, than they should have a uh, big story around auburn has been the play of jabari smith uh, the freshman um Give me your impressions of his game and what Kentucky will need to do to uh, avoid him uh, being too impactful tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I I think that one of the things that's interesting about him is that he has been really terrific, but he has not played to the level of his talent in the sense of he doesn't he doesn't force himself into the offense. Maybe because he's a freshman, Um, Maybe because Bruce doesn't want them to, you know, to go too much too soon to Jabari, and maybe save that for later. I mean, there are lots of games when he's taken fewer than ten shots, and he's only averaging fifteen point eight points per game, which, for the level of of talent that he has, is low. He is he is a really gifted player. He uh, when I watched him play Alabama, which is one of the games where he was needed to be big and was, and had his career high of twenty five points. You know, I, I left that game thinking I would not want to be the co- the, the GM of, uh, of an NBA team that's sitting there with the number one pick and has to decide between him and Paolo Bancaro. Um, that's a hard choice. I wouldn't want to have to have that choice because I think they're both going to be really good, but it's 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 not a it's not an easy choice because uh, Jabari brings the ability to handle the ball, to, to shoot it, to pass it. He's a very solid rebounder. He's an excellent shot blocker. He had four in that Alabama game that I mentioned. When he and Walker Kessler in the front court, it's very difficult to get a clean attempt through the post. It's it, they, those guys together are about as good a shot blocking tandem as there is in college basketball this year. So they've got they've got a lot going for them, and and Jabari. As I said, he's he's a threat to he's a threat to go for a twenty five or thirty on any on any day. He hasn't hit thirty yet, but he certainly has that ability. So I think what you have to do when you play against him is basically discourage him from getting involved, make it hard, uh, and and count on uh, the team to go in other directions when it gets hard to find Jabari.
2: We're talking with Mike DeCorsi, SportingNews.com. Uh, at TSN Mike on Twitter. We'll take a break and come back a little more into this game and uh, a couple of other topics when we continue. It is the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we'll be right back.
0: It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones
2: talking with Mike DeCorsi from Sporting News, the Big 10 Network and you see his brackets and the Fox Sports College Basketball coverage. Kentucky and Auburn tomorrow. Auburn is the uh, top shot blocking team in the country. You're talking about you know, the work Kessler and Devari Smith do in the lane. Uh, Oscar Sheboy is coming off a game in which he was just 2 for 5 from the field. Only game all season he had fewer shot attempts was when he was scoreless and went 0 for 3 against Ohio. So uh, how does Oscar attack these guys, and how does his whole, the uh, whole Kentucky team attack the Auburn defense?
1: Well, what would be interesting is the, the A&M game, A&M gang up on just about everybody that had the ball anywhere near the lane, and obviously that would first be Oscar when he, when he was able to catch it or pull it off the rim. I mean, they were throwing two, three bodies at players and making it really hard, and they, 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 they trapped and, and doubled effectively. Lots of times teams just throw bodies in there and then the players don't come in with high hands and, and the ball comes out easily. And if the ball had come, been able to come out easily against those doubles, uh, then Kellen Grady would have gotten more good looks or Ty Ty would have been able to get quick, uh, quick drives before the defense could react. Those things didn't happen because those doubles were not just there, but they were effective. Uh, I don't know that that will be necessarily what... Auburn does. They don't necessarily need to because of the ability of Kessler to protect the rim. I'm sure they'll double at times with digs and that sort of thing, but not the the, uh, complete overwhelming emphasis that we saw from the Aggies. Uh, So They'll face a more conventional approach, albeit a more conventional Auburn approach, which means lots of traps in the backcourt trying to get the ball away. Uh, So uh, Ty-Ty, Savier have to be uh, very effective in terms of of recognizing when those double teams are coming and trying to move before they get there or get rid of the ball before they get there, and 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 as well, you have to be as as an offensive as, excuse me as a defensive team against their offense, you have to be aware of play, players like Wendell Green who are not afraid and and are probably encouraged to shoot the basketball from very deep. Uh, figuring that a, a 25 foot open shot is better than a 22 foot guarded shot or a 20 foot guarded shot. And so that if they get the ball and it's and they're deep and they had a clean look, they're going to take it. And so you have to be sure that they don't get many of those opportunities. And it does leave you open a little bit to be to be driven. Uh, but we, I, I think we've seen uh, we saw in in uh, in Tuscaloosa what happens if you don't. Assure that Green doesn't get those looks. Um, we've seen in the past, uh, 2019, 2018, what what those Auburn guards, Jared Harper in particular, could do in those circumstances, and that's the way Bruce is, is wants to play and is willing to play. And and bringing Wendell Green in as a transfer has really helped them to con- continue that approach.
2: What has impressed you about the way Kentucky has? played with this team uh, in the context of how it looked last season and, and how Cal has uh, changed with this team?
1: I think the first thing is pace. They want to go, and they push that really hard against A&M. And, and probably at times, at a, at a certain point, it was to diminishing returns. They weren't getting out of those pushes what they ordinarily would want Except perhaps that they, in, in doing that, they forced a And M to work really hard, and I think you saw at the end, a And M got tired. Uh, you could see that they weren't as effective offensively in the last three, four minutes as they had been mo- for most of the first thirty-five. Uh, so I think it worked to that extent, and with 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 what Xavier and Ty Ty are able to bring, I think that's a really smart approach. One thing they need to do, I, I think, is. Uh, they have to get better at if they're going to kick back to, to someone like Kellen in transition, um, he's got to get a little bit more comfortable with what that shot in, entails. It's it's not an easy thing to do to stop your momentum forward and well enough to control what is one of the best jump shots in college basketball. So I think he needs to get a little more comfortable with that. And I think they also need to recognize when you've got three on one, four on one, like two, it, an automatic two is better than a maybe three. And I think they left some points on the board at least two or three times down the court when they had clear numbers advantages. And this team this team, has terrific finishers. And so take the two, especially if you're in a close game. Those two points are going to matter.
2: You saw A&M as you said get tired down the stretch a lot of uh, missed shots clanging off the rim when they were about 50 percent through the first probably two-thirds of the game and um, it's uh, I said this to to Cal the other night I'll get your take on it that you hear the phrase getting into the other team's legs and it's usually a phrase that is associated with a pressing defense Uh, but Kentucky is actually kind of trying to do that with its offense isn't it?
1: Yeah absolutely and that's the ability to push the ball—that's something that Tom Izzo has always emphasized at Michigan State. And it, sometimes you get into a game, and it, and it as you as it becomes apparent that it's going to be a half-court type game, teams will abandon that effort, especially if it's not productive. But Kentucky kept it up for most of the game. I mean, that's not to say they ran headlong into the wall every time they took the ball. I mean, uh, they 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 were circumspect about. Taking advantage of of, of opportunities and uh, trying to make sure that they they that they didn't overemphasize it to the extent that they were reckless with the ball, uh, I thought that they I thought for the most part, although I thought they could have made necessarily better decisions um, in some of those transition opportunities, I don't think they were reckless. Uh, I, I think that that approach is really smart with this team because of the ability of of. You, you what what Kentucky has that almost no one has is a really terrific point guard uh, that almost no one who's at that end of the spectrum in college basketball this year which is really kind of antithetical to the way college basketball is traditionally operated you know you're usually good because you have a good point guard a lot of the teams that are really good this year are good in fact in spite of the fact that they don't have one well Kentucky not only has one they have two and so playing hard and fast is smart because the ball's almost always in the hands of someone who is really gifted and really gifted at playing at speed and is more than likely to do something good with it.
2: Outstanding point. Uh, Let me uh, jump to another uh, program real quickly. I'm guessing you've seen this by now. A uh, bit of a meltdown for Coach Hardaway at Memphis after a loss to SMU last night. He was uh, dropping f bombs and uh, uh, you know going after the uh, media to tell them how to do their job. Always really works well for coaches, too.
1: <laughs> True.
2: What's
1: what's amazing about that is that when Penny was ha- hired, uh, it, it, look, uh, Tubby Smith was not the right hire for Memphis. I, I love Tubby, and I think he you know. What happened at Christmas uh, was exactly what he deserved. He deserved to have his jersey in the in the Rupp rafters. He's he's a terrific basketball coach, and we had named him our Sporting News College Basketball Coach of the Year in his what might have been his last year at A and M uh, or next to last. Uh, he, uh, did an amazing job enter, uh, energizing that place, but Memphis wasn't right for him. However. Um, Penny, in 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 preparing to become a college head coach, did not prepare to become a college head coach. Uh, guys like Jawan Howard worked in the NBA as an assistant coach for I think six years uh, before he became a college uh, head coach. Uh, obviously, uh, you had people like um, uh, like uh, Fred Hoiberg who worked worked in an NBA front office for a long time. Um, it's not easy to become a college head coach, uh, from the, from the pro pro background. But how many guys really in the last 60 years have become significant college head coaches from coaching high school and never coaching in college? And that's what he did. He coached in high school. It's not the same. There are lots of wonderful high school basketball coaches and a lot of them are brilliantly, uh, you know, brilliant at breaking down, uh, plays and defenses and all the rest, but you still have to keep it uh, fairly um, you know, fairly basic. It's just like a college professor is going to teach you how to put a rocket on the moon. A high school teacher is going to teach you algebra, too. It's, it's, you know, they're just not the same, and, and Penny did not prepare himself to be a college head coach by working in college or working at the highest level of the game other than, other than his playing career. And I I never really felt comfortable that he was going to be uh, prepared. I just don't think that, just as Clyde Drexler, I think he had had never worked in basketball at all. Um, He did not succeed because he didn't prepare. And I didn't think that Penny prepared. And what was amazing uh, was that a lot of the people who were most enthusiastic about the hire when it happened were people in the Memphis media and now that they're skeptical because it hasn't worked uh penny is blaming them last night blamed them for how they covered him um he they were they've been they were on board the ship for a long time before they started to look for the uh the ladder to the to the dinghy uh and i think any sign that they're no longer on board seems to have seems to have aggravated him perhaps more than is warranted
2: mike enjoy the hoops this weekend we'll talk next friday all right have a great trip Thank you. That is Mike deCourcy uh, sportingnews.com, at TSN Mike on Twitter. We'll close out this edition of the Leaks Report in just a moment. Oscar Sheewe, named to the midseason All-America first team by the Sporting News. Didn't get a chance to get to that topic with Mike DeCourcy, but uh, nice recognition there for Oscar. Randall Cobbs cleared to play for the Packers tomorrow in their playoff game against the 49ers. Um, Stetson Bennett is going to return for another season at Georgia, but the backup JT Daniels is headed into the transfer portal. Uh, this day in 1981, Kentucky beat Florida 102-48. to Sam Bowie 29-9 for the Wildcats. Uh, one birthday, Wildcat birthday tomorrow. A, an early happy birthday going out to our buddy Larry Conley, longtime voice, along with Tom Hammond, of SEC basketball coverage on the Jefferson Pilot. We'll see you on Monday here on The Leach Report. Make sure
0: you check out the
1: podcast page at KY.